I am Camille Johnson, and this is Finding the Floor. Stories and reflections of midlife motherhood, family, and finding meaning in it all. Join me as I share a little piece of my life and figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Hey guys, welcome to Finding the Floor. This is episode 34. And today I'm going to continue a bit, kind of the discussion started last week as I've been trying to figure out ways to find or to develop more compassion just within our family. And I've been exploring this idea just because I've been trying to develop more of that myself. So this is more me and my reflection about this. So hopefully this is helping you as well. And I hope that the idea of last week as we talked about the three functions of the brain, that that helped you understand maybe where your kids are coming from with their brains. I know it's been helping me and yet it doesn't make it easier. I mean, I, I, it does make it somewhat easier, but I still, you know, have my same habits that I'm slowly trying to break, or I would say I'm trying to develop a new pathway to how I behave and think about different things. And so that's just taking some time. Okay. So if you remember from last week, how I talked about this whole idea of finding compassion came from a few different things. And one of those was my taking this emotional resilience, self-reliance class through, um, through the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, so, you know, I've been thinking about this and the impetus was my daughter having that hard Sunday and me wanting to maybe change the environment of making that just like, yeah, those hard mornings happen, which they do happen. And maybe being realistic about it as well, you know, making that maybe we can be better 50% of the time. And so what was interesting is we had this one particular class and the lesson was titled Providing Strength for Others. So at the beginning of the lesson, they played this video, which I will link to called What Matters Most. And in that President Thomas S. Monson, who was the former president of the church, he said, never let a problem to be solved more important than a person to be loved. And I've heard that before. I really, really like that. But what I loved about this lesson is that it really made this idea more concrete and practical in a way. 
if that makes sense. So it begins with talking about five myths about helping others. All right. So the first myth was, I am 100% responsible for providing others with the help they need. And then what they say is really the savior is the true healer and you can help or offer strength, but he is going to really provide that help and you aren't 100% responsible. Okay, the next myth was, I should be the expert on solving others' problems. And again, it says, no, your role is to love and minister, but the Savior is doing the real healing. And the person is responsible for their own changes. Okay, so the third myth was, there are quick fixes to life's problems. And really, they say the working through change is a process. Real change is a refinement process that the person has to go through. The fourth myth was, I don't know the right thing to say, so it's better I don't say anything. And what they said was the good news is that we often don't have to say much. The greatest gift we can give others is to show interest in them, ask questions, listen with love, and help people feel safe in sharing with us. And the last myth was, if I help at all, they will always become dependent on me. And it simply said, as we serve, we can set healthy boundaries and the Lord will strengthen us. So as we were going through this lesson, you know, it's easy to think about this in a helping people outside of our family type concept. But as I was thinking about this idea of helping to strengthen others, I started seeing this idea almost through my mom lens. Like, how can I do this in my home? And how am I thinking that, one, I have to be 100% responsible for for myth number one, right? I am 100% responsible for providing my children the help they need. Hmm. Maybe I'm not. Myth number two, I should be the expert on solving my kids' problems. Hmm. Maybe not. Number three, my kids' problems, let's see, there are quick fixes to my kids' life's problems. Again, maybe not. Myth number four, I don't know the right thing to say, so it's better I don't say anything. I find I probably have too much to say to my kids, and maybe I don't listen enough. And then myth number five, if I help at all, they will always become dependent on me. I mean... I think my job as a mom is to make sure that I am guiding them so that they can solve their own problems. So I totally struggle with trying to fix things, right? I, if there's a problem, I want to fix it. And I see I do that with my kids a lot. And so I was reminded of 
this video, which my husband and I watched when we were doing this strengthening your marriage class. And it's called, it's not about the nail. And I will link to it in my website, but it is about a couple talking and this woman is sharing a problem. And in the video, you just see the back of her head and you see her husband or boyfriend or whoever it is talking to her. And she's just talking about how she has headaches and it's just really hard and she gets snags on her sweaters. And then the camera turns around and she literally has a nail in her head. And the guy, husband, is sitting there and he's just like, well, I mean, you have a nail in your head. And she's like, oh, it's not about the nail. You always think it's about the nail. And he's like, no, but literally, if you take the nail out, your headaches would be gone. <laughs> your sweaters would be not snagged. And she just wants him to listen to what she thinks about this nail. And he's like, well, I I want to solve this problem. I tend to be more of like, I want to solve this problem, especially with my kids. Let's just solve the problem here. But I love this that she just says, I just want you to listen. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll listen. And you can tell he's just still so frustrated because he knows that if she just takes a nail out, everything will be better. <laughs> um, but I, so I was looking up some analysis of this idea and I came across this great article um, titled, No, It's Really Not About the Nail by Joseph King, who's um, a psychologist. And I'll link to this too, but it said, he has a quote and it's two paragraphs. So it's a little bit long, but I'm going to read it because it was so good. So he says, this video, which has been viewed over 15 million times, is popular because it is something that we all can relate to. The woman in the video is talking about her issues about how she's feeling and her boyfriend is trying to solve her problems when that isn't what she wants. You can hear both of their frustrations and you can relate to both sides of this conversation. On his side, the problem seems obvious. There's a nail in her head that's causing those annoying sweater pulls and the headaches. He understandably wants to just fix the problem and take it out. Seems like a pretty obvious way to address her concerns, right? It would be, except she's not looking for a solution to the problem. What she is looking for is a supportive ear to listen to her issues and to validate how frustrating they are. She is looking to get emotional support, and she's not quite ready to take action on the nail in her head. Furthermore, by pushing the issue, he is actually pushing her into a more defensive and less flexible place with the nail. He continues, this video is a great example of something psychologists refer to as the writing reflex. This reflex of action is to try and help another person by providing solutions to their problems, even if the other party isn't looking for solutions, or they aren't ready to accept a solution. While the writing reflex often comes from a warm and caring place, the end result is that it can push someone away from actually making a change to the situation being discussed. Even look at the last scene in that video 
when it's obvious, even more painfully obvious, that is, that the nail is a problem, when the boyfriend is starting to say it, she turned away in frustration and was refusing to even hear or acknowledge there is an issue. She is not ready to do something about the nail, and her boyfriend pointing out what a problem it actually is only serves to push her away from addressing the nail at all. In fact, in her mind, the problem is likely to become the boyfriend and his obsession with the nail or the way he talks to her when she clearly just wants him to listen to her. In other words, the nail becomes his problem, not hers. End quote. Isn't that so interesting? I have this problem, the writing reflex, and especially with my kids. And here is my guess to why. All right, I'm going to go back because when they're babies, they cry and that crying is a signal, right? There's something that needs to be solved. They're hungry, they're tired, they're, they need their diaper changed, they're bored, they want someone to hold them. So I think you get trained, especially as a mom, okay, there is an emotion which signals a problem. Let's solve the problem. And that is our job as parents as we slowly become the problem solvers as their babies and as they grow up. I guess our job is to be better at helping them solve their own problems. All right? I have to be now the guide when I see that signal I have this really very well-tread path to my brain that says, okay, kids are sad, kids are mad, kids are whatever. I jump in and I solve the problem. So, but many times it's really not about the nail. It's not about the, that's the problem. And I think over the years, it's easier. I feel like I just come and I just pluck the nail out. Let's solve the problem. Are you arguing? All right, let's, you want to share? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure there are a bajillion parenting books about how I've been doing this wrong, but this is just a new, this idea and these myths that when you help others and if you relate that to your kids, you're not 100% responsible for providing the help they need. And I think the other problem for me with this a signal to the problem, like the emotions of the problems, is that my kids will walk around and they're having, they're upset and they're angry. And many times they start taking it out on people in our family. And then I get upset because I don't want this, you know, negative stuff coming in, but it's already there. And I think when I add my two cents, I'm making it worse. So it's almost like I see the nail and I'm just hammering it in, making it worse. Really, I just think this is so funny because even as I was writing this, um, I was, you know, writing the outline and my one of my kids is coming around. They want to try to find a 3DS game and they're upset. <laughs> and I'm like, I jump in. Okay, I'll help you. I'll help you find that game. Because really, that's the problem, right? But is it? And I had to, again, I'm like, ah, I still, just that pathway is so 
strong and I'm got to work on that. Okay. So what I really liked about these ideas, and then I heard just this past Sunday, I was listening to, um, David Butler and Emily Bell Freeman have this YouTube channel about the Come Follow Me. I don't know if it's called Don't Miss This. And David Butler was talking about when he was a bishop and he was called at a young age and he would get really overwhelmed. There are all these people coming in and they had all these problems and he didn't know how to fix the problems and he just, or how to solve them for them. And he just really some of them were so big he had, didn't have enough even life experience to know what to do and so I think he was expressing this to a friend of his and what was interesting is his friend said yeah your job is not to solve their problems your job is to infuse or what he said was breathe hope into the situation Oh, and I just love that idea. So it's your job to breathe hope into the situation so that they can solve their own problems. And now all my kids are older and I can do that for them. If I can instill and breathe hope into a situation, then that will make it so much better than just trying to solve their problems, showing them that I have confidence in them that they can solve their own problems and infusing hope in some way. Now, what that looks like, I'm still figuring out. Because <laughs> again, I had another daughter who was behind on assignment and I was totally willing to help her. and But I only had a certain amount of time and she wasn't ready to work on it. And so I was just getting really frustrated with her because I was like, hey, I can help you. Let's work on this. She's like, I don't want to work on it. And I don't want your help. Probably not that calm either. <laughs> More like, mom, I don't want your help. You're the rudest. Um, and why do I need to be frustrated by the fact that she doesn't want my help? That is the question for me. So I didn't help her. And she did her assignment. And it was all okay. So my instilling frustration in the situation doesn't really help. Okay. But instilling hope, I think, will help. But I have to do that also at the appropriate times when they're ready because a lot of times they have to process whatever feelings. And that's another thing that I'm learning. And I think that's in that family home evening packet of things that I mentioned last week by Jody Moore. And we haven't done any more of those lessons. I, I know I need to go there and just to be better at helping my kids manage their emotions because what was interesting is I was looking at a website kind of looking for ways to f have more compassion and empathy in your home and helping instill compassion at home and there were three things 
from this website, which I again will link to. It says, Families instill compassion at home by one, providing opportunities to practice compassion. Two, helping children understand anger. And three, teaching children to self-regulate their emotions. So I think compassion, practicing compassion, that just can happen all the time. Opportunities to do that happens all the time. And then understanding anger and regulating emotions is, again, something like I'm learning better. Anyway, (laughs) it is a process. And sometimes, again, like I think, oh, I wish I would have known this stuff at least 15 years ago. But I didn't, and I know it now, and it will help me now. So even that's not the most helpful of thoughts, but I still am just like, oh, I do. I wish sometimes I had known this stuff and I'm learning and striving to be better, but it's a very ingrained pathway of me trying to solve problems. So what is that going to look like? How do I work on this with our home? We've just, we've learned um, more about our brain. That's helped me. And then how can we show more compassion and how can I as a mom breathe hope into a situation and not rush in and just try to solve the problem? I've noticed I was better with my oldest daughter who, by the way, just left on her mission. I mean, she was set apart and was doing online MTC for the past week, six weeks, but yesterday she just flew out to her mission in California. And I'm so excited for her, but I'm really sad too. My sister-in-law said it's a miserable joy and I'm happy that she is on this mission and will help so many people. And, but yet we miss her a ton. (laughs) It's only been a day. (laughs) Anyway, she was really good at she would come in and she would just have to like cry about something. And I think I'm more okay with someone coming in and just crying because I can see that they need to get something out. Right. And then uh, my husband would be better about this too. And I would try to be like, okay, do you want me to listen or help solve? And so I don't think I've been terrible my whole life with my kids, but I think I have another couple of kids who get, instead of sad, they get angry. Like that's their kind of go-to. It's anger. And sometimes I think, well, you can't have that. Like, don't do that. Like sad's okay, but anger. And... I see that, that that's just kind of their go-to when they're processing some things and I'm learning to just let them process and then asking them if they want just to listen or solutions. I don't have to fix it. I am not a hundred percent responsible. The savior is the healer and Helping them maybe rely upon the Savior more is another work 
I mean, we're going to church, we're reading our scriptures, but really practically, how can I work with that when they're having these daily issues? All good things to think about. Okay, so I was thinking, all right, what is this going to look like, especially as we're going into Christmas? Um, I think some of the things I would be helpful with my kids is, first of all, I need to remember just to give them space and it's not my job to solve their problem. I need to make sure I'm expressing more gratitude for them and all they're doing. And then also making sure we're being better as a family, showing gratitude and expressing gratitude. And then I have been trying to be better at giving people space and allowing mad or frustration and that's okay. And not having anyone jab or tease or hammer that nail in or whatever. That sometimes we just act that way and we can find ways to remember that this doesn't happen forever. They're having a hard day. <laughs> you guys, I um, this has really been so helpful. All these things I've been learning. And when I talk with you, I want you to know that I'm a student of just learning how to do this as well. And because it was just every time I would write a paragraph, I would do something wrong right after. <laughs> As I was even writing this outline, you know, like someone comes in mad and I'm just like, why are you mad? What, what problem can I solve? <laughs> uh, okay. So it really isn't about the nail. The nail is not my job. I mean, it may be like it really, there is maybe a problem but the nail is not my job to solve. Even if I see it, I can just help them find ways to breathe hope into situations. And I just really like that. So thanks, David Butler, for that idea, this idea of breathing hope, especially as we have just like daily, tiny, little problems, like looking for a small, minuscule Nintendo DS game. Or when my daughter doesn't want to do her practicing or her homework. How can I breathe in hope? Uh, <laughs> I will work on that. And I don't have to solve for everything. Even if I could. Alright, I hope that this is been helpful. Um, this is going to be the last official podcast of the year 2020. It has been so fun, you guys, to start this podcast, and I'm super excited to continue. My goal for next year is to have an email list started so that I feel like I can communicate, I guess, more directly with my audience because just the podcast like podcasts are great, but the interaction isn't as great like, as opposed to like, let's say when you have a comment on a YouTube video or a blog or whatever, I'm going to be working on that for the next year. So look for that. And if you know right away that you want to be on my 
email list. You can direct message me on Instagram or Facebook with your email or send me an email at camille.findingthefloor at gmail.com. And I will have links in the podcast description and on my website. And then I'm also just going to have a bonus episode. I don't know if I mentioned, I think I just posted it, but I was invited to share some thoughts about gratitude through trials with a friend of mine who started a podcast this year as well. Her name's Carly Robison, and her podcast is called A Light in the Darkness. And I'll link to that podcast um, in the bonus episode, but the bonus episode will just have my section of because there were two of us who shared some thoughts as well as Carly, two guests and Carly. And so that was kind of fun to really think about. I shared a little bit about what it was like to try to find gratitude while my mom had cancer. So that will be a bonus episode coming out on the 23rd, just before Christmas. And then I'll be taking a break for the rest of the year and I'll be back. All right, so I hope everyone has a great week and is having a wonderful holiday season. And we'll talk to you later. All right, see ya. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have any questions, come by findingthefloor.com, where I will have show notes and links for anything I've mentioned today. Special thanks to Seth Johnson for creating and performing the theme music. Come back next week and thanks for listening. 